Hey friends, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I am your host, Rachel Gilbert. The world needs who you were made to be. You, my friend, have extraordinary and unique gifts, but things like fear, insecurities, lies, and even past wounds keep us from receiving God's best and releasing those gifts into our world. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guests, Emily Jensen and Laura Wiffler. They're co-founders of Risen Motherhood and co-hosts of the weekly podcast. With a combination of accessibility, relatability, and solid biblical knowledge, Emily and Laura have a knack for simplifying complex biblical truths, revealing how they relate and apply to everyday life. Their first book, Risen Motherhood, released on September 3rd. And as sister-in-laws, Emily and Laura both live in central Iowa with their families. Today, we did some real talk about both ministry and motherhood, but my favorite part was when we dove into body image and the pressure to bounce back after having a baby. They had a perspective I hadn't heard before, and I promise you don't want to miss that part of the episode. This was a bit on the longer side because they were both full of truth and wisdom, so let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation I had with Emily and Laura. Well, hey, Emily and Laura, welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you here today. Oh, we're thrilled to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. It's a joy to be here. Yeah, you two are super cute. You're actually the second, I don't want to say couple, you're not a couple, but (laughs) pair that I have done two with. And um, my first was a mother-daughter duo that had written a book. And so it's really fun when I get two people here because the dynamic's a little bit different. So I'm excited um, to introduce you today to my listeners. And before we jump into our conversation, one fun thing I like to do, and I don't really warn my guests of this because I think it, (laughs) it makes it more fun, is in the beginning, in the intro, I read your beautiful, fancy bio. But sometimes people like to hear, what's something I would not read on your bio about Mm. each of you? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, uh, this is Emily here speaking. I think one thing you would not read on my bio is that I sort of have wanted to be a homesteader mom, <laughs> but it has not worked out for me in reality. In reality, I love getting my food from the grocery store and some convenience items. But one homesteader tip or a skill that I have picked up is building uh, fires in our wood burning fireplace. And so we are getting ready to head into fall here. We live in central Iowa and it gets really cold really fast. And so right now I am prepping our garage. We're splitting wood and I am getting ready to start building fires, which I will do during the day just to add some cozy ambiance to our home. But it's something that I, I don't, I don't want to brag, but I've gotten pretty good at it. Very good and, at it. She uh, has fire it, gloves. I have, yeah, I fire gloves. And that's like legit. It's, I know how to kind of tend to it and keep it going. So it's just kind of a funny, like random skill that I have. I don't have a lot of funny random skills like that, but I'll, I'll share that one. <laughs> that's impressive. This is why this is kind of my favorite part of the show, to be honest. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Okay, what's yours? <laughs> well, I recently had to actually write down three little known facts about me or things that you don't know about me. So I feel a little bit prepared. I have three to choose from. Um, so I will share that I was once invited on a morning show in the Twin Cities to share an Ikea hack that I had done on a small personal blog that I had where I transformed one of their $15 step stools and I painted it and added decals. And 
whatever. And not a lot of people read my blog at the time, but somehow it made it to the ears of a morning show in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And so I got to be on their morning show. And I remember I have done a lot of things since then, but that was probably hands down the most nervous that I have ever been in my life to have to go on live on TV and talk about this kind of silly $15 (laughs) DIY that I did. That's impressive. How long ago was that? Oh, it would have probably been about, oh, I was, I had children. So maybe five, six years ago. I wonder if that video is still floating around somewhere. That would be fun to find that. Yeah. All right. We'll make it a mission to find that. Share it with this podcast. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have shared. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody listening, go find that video, please. Thank you. Well, that's awesome. Thank you guys for doing that. And you two are sister-in-laws, right? Correct. Yes. All right. So I almost feel like we could hang out on that for the next, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's pretty, whenever I read that about you two, I was like, that's really cool because one, you have a ministry that's totally thriving, but not all sister-in-laws even like each other. So, <laughs> so that, that right there is a ministry in itself. And I love that. So tell us a little bit about anybody listening who maybe has never heard of Risen Motherhood or how it got started. Tell us about that. Sure. Yeah. It started about four years ago because Emily and I, we actually lived about five hours apart at the time. And we were just enjoying talking with one another over a walkie talkie app called Voxer. We were both just like processing through so much stuff about motherhood and our faith. And we were really growing and learning. And I remember at some point we started talking about, well, if we're Christians, like what does that have to do with the fact that, you know, I have another mess to clean up today. Like, how should that change my perspective? How was this originally intended? Is this is this what God really had designed for our lives? And so we were asking some of these questions and our conversations were going deeper. And eventually we were chatting and realizing, well, I had the same conversation with a girlfriend of mine and another one, another one of my friends had this same ask. And so as we realized, hey, moms are really asking these questions and we weren't necessarily seeing other ministries or books or people talking about this specific topic. People were talking about theology and gospel application at a pretty high level. And then there were a lot of really great resources out there for moms that were a little bit more practical and like, here's how I'm doing these things. And these are what's working for our families. But we weren't necessarily seeing that bridge, which is why we were asking Mm -hmm. questions. And so Emily and I, Emily really said, let's, let's start a podcast. Let's air these conversations. Because as I mentioned previously, I was blogging on a personal smaller blog. Emily was also blogging. So we had kind of these parallel platforms. And so we wanted to join forces anyway and get a chance to work together. And so from there, Risen Motherhood just sort of took off. And now we have, um, we produce two articles a week. We have social media platforms where we post kind of encouraging microblogs each day. We have our weekly podcast that comes out. Mm-hmm. We recently wrote a book. It came out just a couple weeks ago, which is really mm-hmm. exciting called the gospel uh, or called risen motherhood gospel hope for everyday moments. So it's really grown in ways that we could have never predicted or imagined because God has just chosen to do so. He's been really gracious and it's been, mm-hmm. it's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I read somewhere, uh, you might be able to tell me where I read this, but that you guys take topics that moms face and you turn them on their head. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I was like, yes. Oh my goodness. And side note, Voxer, me, I'm on the Declare conference team, which is a, a conference for Christian com- women, Christian communicators. And Voxer, we joke all the time. We're like, we should be like affiliates for them. Cause that's like, <laughs> how, that's how we run the conference is via Voxer. So yes. we're like, yeah. social business and motherhood. We'll join you. Let's yes. lobby for that. Yes, exactly. We're like, hey, we're we're always shouting out Voxer. Oh my goodness. So I love that. So that's been four years ago that you started that, right? 
Yeah. When conversation started. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When did in the podcast actually launch four years ago too, or no? Like three and a half years ago. Yeah. January yeah. of 16. Okay. I know all the feels I had before I started a podcast, which I was straight up terrified. I don't yes. know why it felt like the scariest thing I'd ever done in my entire life, which is kind of crazy when I think back on it, but it's also been one of the biggest blessings I've ever, you know, on both, both ends, it feels like. And so I'm kind of curious, how did you two feel starting it and like the process of getting it going and all that. Yeah. Oh, I totally feel you on that. Just it being terrifying. It's funny how you can talk with your friend. And then the second you put a microphone (laughs) there, nothing but gibberish comes out and you can just kind of lock up. One of the very first times we tried to record as we were still figuring out like, well, what will our format be? Or, you know, how long will this be? How will we process through topics? Our other sister-in-law was there and it was just like the most awkward. We had two babies in the room. Yeah, we had we two had little babies a, in the room. Yeah, our other sister-in-law and two babies. Like, that's not how you record a podcast. You get <laughs> a quiet room in a closet. We are like in a toy room, this big toy room. I mean, we just had no clue. You know, we recorded yeah. straight into our laptop. This was this was before podcasts were like such a big thing. And, and so there wasn't like all the tutorials that there are now or like people kind of talking about how you start your own kind of in-home studio. And so we literally, that first episode, I listened back and, and sometimes might cringe a little bit to the sound quality in particular. Yeah. 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 It definitely took us a while to figure out like, again, like I was saying the format and to really get comfortable working through something. But what's interesting is we probably caught onto that within, I would say the first four to six months of recording, you could probably hear it go from a little bit more organic, a little bit more, we're not really sure how we want to talk through this to really getting into a pattern and a groove and getting comfortable and kind of finding our chemistry. And I would say it's not changed a ton Mm -hmm. since then, which is really cool. So then we get to look back and just see like, yeah, it's God, we haven't really done anything that different than what we started out to do from the beginning. And it's really God who has expanded it and grown it and and helped it reach new people. So it's really cool. Yeah. And you know, one of the reasons I asked that question I hadn't planned to was I know not everybody listening wants to start a podcast, but I could almost guarantee everybody listening feels God asked them to do something uncomfortable from time to time and they don't understand how to do it or how, you know, maybe how to get started. And I think all of us can say there's always that you're, you're not 100% great at something in the beginning. It's impossible to be until you do it and you like you hone that skill and stuff. So I just kind of wanted them to hear that too, that Lord just totally blesses that obedience. So if you're listening and you're feeling God calling you out to do something, it doesn't have to be a podcast. Just remember, um, we all start somewhere. We're all a little shaken in our boots and um, just move forward forward in confidence (laughs) if the Lord's calling you to it. How quickly then did the ministry start to grow pretty quickly right away? Or what did that look like for you guys? Yeah, I think... It we what happened was we released a five episode mini series. So when we first started out, we said, let's just do five podcasts, see where that goes. And if we both don't like it, we can kind of split ties and, you know, do other things. And immediately, Emily and I really, really enjoyed working together. We enjoyed thinking like this. We enjoyed a new medium of kind of using our voices a little bit more. And so right away, like we both enjoyed it and knew, hey, I want to keep doing this. And then what happened was after we did five episodes, women pretty quickly. And at this time it was just friends and family really, but they were saying, Hey, could you do this topic or that topic? Or I really enjoyed this, but what about that angle? And so the feedback was pretty positive. So we just thought, okay, we'll continue. And we didn't have any social media presence. We 
we're just posting on our own personal platforms and things like that. And so in about August, so we started in January, and then in August of that year, we said, okay, this is a real thing. We're pushing out weekly podcasts, and we launched our Instagram and our Facebook and Twitter and things like that. And I would say it was the following January where we're not really sure what happened. Again, we just look back and say, God gave the growth. But uh, somehow at that point, it wasn't like we got posted somewhere or a certain person endorsed us or, or so, you know how things like that happen and suddenly you're everywhere. But it was just this like pretty quick, rapid growth that started happening around that time. And since then, it's just been really steady. Like Emily said, we, we really haven't changed anything. Our intro to our podcast is the same as the very first day where we talk about how moms need the refreshing truth of the gospel to be repeated over and over. And so our mission, our heartbeat, that what we try to do has not changed. And and we just know that like God's taken what little we had to offer and he's just chosen to abundantly bless it. And he would be faithful either way in those things. But yeah, we, we can't look back and just say, we did this, which I love. I love that I can't look back and say, oh, we did that one really strategic move or this one thing really happened and suddenly that made all the difference. No, God made all the difference. Yeah, it was neat too about, uh, in terms of when we became a ministry, like more formal, about two years ago, it was the summertime and Laura and I had been running it kind of on our own and we were really at capacity and needed to add help and needed to add team members. We didn't have the finances to do so. And God provided a big donor to write a check that would fund us to be able to hire one person for six months. And we stepped out in faith and did that. Through that whole process, we ended up getting a couple of other women who were willing to work for us on like a volunteer basis and just serve and come alongside us in the mission. And that was really where there was this turning point of wow, we, we need to figure out, you know, how God would have us fund this ministry. And it's really grown since then. And so last year, we started the process of becoming a formal nonprofit. And we saw that happen officially in 2019. And now there is a team of seven of us and a board of directors that works together to put out all this content. So it's definitely grown a lot bigger than just Laura and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that, Laura, you mentioned that you love that you can look back and not take credit for, you know, yeah. all of that. I feel the same way about moments in, in my life, my husband's life, and we have a business and of that same thing. It's it's kind of funny to me sometimes that I'm like, you know, it, some, it seems like the harder I quote unquote hustle, which to be honest, I, I don't like that word. It's like those <laughs> things, those things don't work. You know, I'm like, man, I'm busting yes. it over here. That And then like, mm-hmm. that's not blessed. But then I do one thing that's just, you know, straight out of just submission and obedience to God. And he's like, here you go. I've what you know, <laughs> I've been waiting yeah. for you to just sit back and enjoy the ride for a while. So I appreciate you sharing that. And again, I know all the listeners don't want to start podcasts, but I feel like this is still just really encouraging to every single person about how how important it is just to be listening to the voice of the Lord and, and acting in obedience when he tells us to step out in whatever area it could be. I even encourage women, it, it might sometimes just, not just, it could be, you know, forgiving somebody you need to, or, you know, whatever, all those dynamic relationships in our life, when the Lord asks us to do something hard, and maybe seems a little scary or whatever, that he always blesses that. So thank you for sharing that. And one of the other reasons I I brought this topic up to you was you guys basically turned from, correct me if I'm wrong, were you stay at home moms before? Yeah. And then into this, you know, this Mm -hmm. ministry Mm -hmm. that kind of took off. So you weren't really even asking for it. I know I have a lot of women listening 
who are trying to juggle the whole, you know, working, whether it's outside the home or in the home and being a mom and a wife, do you two have any insight on how you've managed that well? Yeah. I don't know if we've managed it well, but we're certainly (laughs) learning all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been a process. Not long ago, we had a Risen Motherhood live event and there was a panel afterwards of women from my local church. And one of them was talking about this very topic of kind of the different types of work that we do in motherhood and, you know, things that maybe pull us away from our children and then things that, you know, draw us near to them. And she was talking about this concept of balance and she illustrated it by literally standing up and balancing on one leg. And what you see when a person balances on one leg is that they're not just standing still. They're constantly adjusting their weights to stay balanced. And I think that a lot of us, when we think of the concept of balance, we think, well, one day, uh, you know, I'm going to talk with my husband and we're going to get all these pieces, you know, set out on the table and it's just going to be perfect. And then we're going to walk forward in that. And I think the reality that we've learned is that things are constantly adjusting. It's a continual ongoing conversation. It's continual prayer and submission to the Lord. And sometimes, you know, things can change week by week. Sometimes things can change every two to three months or every year, or you may set aside, you know, a season and say, hey, in this season, our family is prepared for mommy to say yes to more of these opportunities that maybe are going to send mommy to go travel, or she's going to have to have some more meetings. And then there's maybe a season where it's like, hey, mommy's going to pull back from that for a little while and rest. And now we're going to support daddy and doing something a little bit different or whatever that looks like. So I think for me, as I look back on this process, I would say it was very gradual, very willing to be open handed, very open conversations with my husband and not just him, but also people who love us and love our family and support us and just getting that continual feedback and accountability around us to say, hey, what do we value? How are we going to live out our mission as a family? And I think one of my greatest unexpected joys is the way we've been able to sweep up our children in this mission as well. Not long ago, we got back from recording our audiobook and we were gone for a couple of days. And, you know, it's always well, maybe a little bit harder on me, even than it is on the kids. You know, daddy was home with them. But uh, I got home and just overheard my husband praying with our kids and just thanking God that mommy gets to go do this and thanking God that all of our family gets to participate in spreading the gospel this way. And I just thought, oh, I'm so glad that that's the the message we get to communicate to our kids is like, you are serving God in this too. So it's just been really good. What about you, Laura? No, I, I have to concur with all the things that you're saying. And I do think drawing your children in and helping them to understand why mom's leaving the house or why mom's going into the home office and working. And I think a lot of women... I recognize, I guess, that we have a little bit of a a luxurious role in a way that we can sort of call our own hours at times. And some moms don't have that privilege or that freedom to be able to do that. But I think that there's still this element of being able to tell your kids, um, say you're a nurse, you know, and you're working night shifts, but you're able to just tell your children, like, mommy's going to go show the love of Jesus to all of the kids at the hospital tonight. And will you pray for this little girl with me? Or there are ways to sweep your children up into the mission. I know Emily and I work in a way that's like very obvious about the Lord, but I think um, there are ways that no matter what a mom's doing and how her time is spent, that she can, you know, I'm not, I can't remember what theologian said it, but if, you know, if you're cobbling shoes, do it to the glory of God. Like there's just this, whatever you're doing, you can do it to the glory of God. And we can 
help draw our children in and explain to them that all work is good work and God created us to work and that someday they're going to work the same way that we're working and, and we're all working together right now to accomplish God's mission. And so I think that that's really helped me as I've transitioned from being full time at home to now I work 20 to 30 hours a week. And a lot of that's in the margin. I'm still able to be with my kids, but I do want them to understand that, like, I do this because I love the Lord. And it is a good thing that mom gets to go do this. And this is a privilege to be able to go and work and share Jesus with other people. And again, that wouldn't matter what role I'm playing. I'm able to do that really in in any type of occupation that I might have. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. That's such first perspective. I feel like the topic of balance is, is a hot topic. And, and I love the, <laughs> I love the visual you gave. That's so about the standing on one leg. I will, I'll always remember that because I'm a visual person. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, I had a, a pastor who I look up to. I was asking her about this topic and she basically told me, you know, her heart has always been that if, if she can't steward her ministry at home well, then people shouldn't really listen to her outside of the home. Mm. And, you know, the more I process that, I realized, you know, the, the thing is, I think sometimes people might could hear that statement and feel like condemnation. Well, I'm not, you know, my house is a mess right now. And, and I know that's not what she meant. What she meant was, is there peace in your home? You know, mm-hmm. like to me, that's always my thing because peace in my home uh, is going to look different than peace in somebody else's home, you know, and the things yeah. that the decisions that my husband and I come to. And, and I know as a woman, as a wife, I, I always try to sub- submit to my husband and what, what he thinks that we should do on certain things. And I know um, I've even had situations where I asked him about something, if I should lay something down. And he's like, yes, like immediately he knew yes. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. wait, I wasn't ready to lay it down. And so then what I do in that situation is I pray and I'm like, okay, God, get us on the same page. One of us is wrong. You know, like one of us, is, <laughs> one of us is not hearing you right. So if it's me, change me. If it's him, change him. And he always does that. I love, that's such a simple prayer just to bring that peace back into your home. So thank you too for, for sharing your thoughts on that and um, just how you have personally done that as you've stepped into this role over the years. So Here's the next thing I'd like to move on to. Um, in your your ministry, you guys do talk, take a lot of topics that moms deal with and struggle with, and you kind of bring you know the, a fresh perspective and, and shed light on that. Let's talk a little bit about the topic of our our body image when it comes to women, especially maybe after giving birth or whenever it might be. It doesn't even have to be after giving birth. I think just period. This is something I did a series on this over the summer on my podcast and they everybody really loved it. So I'd love to hear any perspectives that you two have to share on that topic. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a topic that many women can relate to. I was actually just thinking over the weekend, we had an event and you know, we had some pictures taken and I went back and looked at those pictures. And, you know, of course, my mind immediately goes to, well, I, is that really the way I look? And man, I, I should have, you know, maybe cut out some carbs or something a few <laughs> weeks before. And, you know, I just, I guess, want listeners to hear from somebody who is in the ministry of preaching the gospel to myself, to ourselves. Like, this is still something that I have to speak the truth to myself. Um, and I think that in that moment, of going, okay, I'm, I'm looking at my physical appearance to just start to back up or maybe dig deeper and ask questions about what's really underneath that. I think sometimes as women, we can kind of exist in this surface level and, you know, pretty soon we're, we're Googling new diet plans or we're, you know, trying to figure out if we should replace our, our 
jeans with something that, that fits a little bit different or whatever, and we go kind of straight to the practical, I think it's really healthy to look underneath and say, okay, what's really going on in my heart here when I have this response to this picture of myself or I have this response to the way my clothes are thinning? And what we've found is that many, many things in life go back to our heart mm-hmm. and our heart and what uh, we believe about God and who he is and how he's designed things to be, uh, our heart about who we are going to give our allegiance to and our worship to, what we're going to believe is really true, not only about us, but about what God wants for our lives. Are we going to believe who God has made us to be in Christ and what that means for true beauty and like what our character will become? And then are we going to, you know, submit to the mission that God has us on and to be stewards of our body for that mission? And so those are just some like questions and things we can dig into. And so for me, when I see that picture and kind of have that response, I have to really back up and go, okay, like I want to be a good steward of the body that I have. I can always go back and say, okay, like, am I getting exercise? Am I eating healthy? Am I taking my sleeping enough? Am I resting enough? Like those things are good to care about and they can be good for the mission and the glory of God. But also to go back and look like, you know, my beauty is fading and my clothes are going to go out of style and my hair is going to get gray someday. I'm not going to wrinkles and to not put too much stock in the temporal external appearance because that's passing away. Um, but what is going to live forever is my heart and my, my beauty in the Lord. So those are just like some initial thoughts. But kind of yeah. Yeah. Just your heart with Laura. No, totally. <laughs> the, to build off of that. I know when each time I've had a child, I've had three babies. I yeah. have spent a lot of time and thought process after they've been born on, well, how am I going to fit back into my pre-baby genes and how quickly can I do that? And I really want to nurse because that's supposed to speed up the process and I have to eat enough so that I can nourish my baby, but not too much so that I can lose the weight. And, you know, there is a lot of thought process that goes into our food, what we eat, our exercise, and then ultimately what we look like. And I think about those seasons of my life and, and often I still fall into them. I'm, you know, I don't know how many months postpartum, 24 months, (laughs) you know, I haven't had a baby in two years, but, but I still think about those things often and the effects that I am going to live with forever because I have born children and, oh, I have so many thoughts coming. I'm trying to organize them quickly here, but I think about Christ. We talk about this in the book, actually. Emily does a great job in her postpartum body image chapter, just talking about Christ and the scars that he bears, that he has scars in his hands that we will still see when he comes back for the new heaven and the new earth. And he still bears those scars. And many women are still They have C-section scars, they have stretch marks, they have marks of bearing life. And I think it's this beautiful way that we image Christ in that we, it doesn't mean we have to adore those scars and just accept them with everything we are, but like we can learn to see those as pointers to, to Christ and to see them as marks of the fall and of the fallen world that we live in, but also the hope that we have in the great sacrifice that Christ has, has done on our behalf. And I think that's just like one key thing that as I've thought about how my body has changed, seeing it as a way to image Christ has helped me to come to terms with it. And then going back to all of those thoughts and like how much time we spend on things. I know that for me, I was really convicted as I thought about, man, if I gave as much energy to my spiritual health as I'm currently giving to my physical health and appearance, 
I would be maybe a little closer to God and yeah. have quite a bit more biblical knowledge yeah. at this time. And so I think what Emily was starting to hit on is this idea that as we look deeper to the heart, what are we really focusing on? And, and is our heart adoring ourselves and or wanting to adore? Is it shaming ourselves or is it adoring God? Is our hearts focused on, on Christ and what he's done for us and the, the amazing gifts that God has given us? And so there's just some good gut checks that can go on when we think about our mental focus and how much time we can spend as women on what we look like because culture really, really wants us to care about how we look. And mm-hmm. as M said, there is an element of stewardship in wanting to have our bodies be able to work hard to serve our families. But sometimes we really want them to work hard so that we look good to mm-hmm. other people. And they say, wow, it's only been five months and she's <laughs> back in her pre baby jeans. Like that's what we want to hear. Yeah. But instead, I want to be a woman that wants to hear, wow, she loves Jesus faithfully mm-hmm. and letting that be the superior comment to my heart. Yeah. Thank you both for just being real on this topic. I feel like every time I get a guest on the show, I I love to ask this because I think it's there's a lot of power that's released when other women hear that they're not alone. Because I feel like that's yeah. one of the number one lies of the enemy is you're the only one who struggles with this. And I can't believe, you know, yeah. you're the only one, which we know in our we know is not true. But just hearing it out loud is like, oh, okay. Other people do struggle with this. And I love what you said that is our heart. The question you asked is our heart adoring ourselves or God? And you're so right at the the heart is the, the, in fact, the second episode I recorded on this topic was called the power of a submitted heart. You know, like mm-hmm. it's so always comes back to the heart. I feel like that's kind of the theme of life, period. <laughs> yes. all, all of our sins, all of our idols, all of it always comes back to the heart, the heart, the heart. And so submitting that. And um, I also loved the other thing. I wrote down so many things, so I won't I won't be able to highlight all of them. But the other thing mm-hmm. I, um, that you mentioned, I think, Emily, you were the one who said this about the, how our beauty is fading. And I remember my husband is a doctor, and so he sees how bodies fade. You know, like he's like he sees older people. He see and he's always telling me, Rach, you have to embrace like your body is fading. I don't care. You know, like yeah. it is. We we're getting older. We're getting more limited. And um, he's really embraced it. He's like he's and it's not in a way of like, well, just let's just let myself go. No, we love working out. We love taking care of ourselves. But there is an element that you just can't control. It's happening. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember this has been a couple years ago. I kind of had a meltdown to him about how much how much pressure I was feeling to like you were talking about get the pre you know get this last thing off because I had a c-section and I you know I have the stretch marks I have all those things and and I was just feeling pressure from it and he told me something that really set me free he said Rachel you have got to stop comparing yourself to other women he said including your younger self she's Mm -hmm. another woman and when he said that I was like that is so true like my pre-body pre-baby body is another woman and even if you haven't if you're listening and you haven't had babies, your 15 year old self is different than your 30 year old self, you know, with no babies in there anyways, like it's just our bodies are getting older. So thank you for just um, sharing your your honest thoughts on all of that. I love that. I I think about the freedom of self forgetfulness by Tim Keller. And just this idea, as you were talking about, you love growing older. And I think that's something Mm -hmm. that I'm totally starting to like, I just love every year that I get older and I know that I feel like I'm not supposed to, or I'm supposed to hide my age or things like that. Like that's what culture Mm -hmm. kind of says. And 
I have found that every year that I grow older, I can look back and just say, I've fallen more and more in love with Jesus. And I think growing into what Tim Keller talks about with the freedom of self-forgetfulness is this idea that it's not like we're like thinking really bad about ourselves or we're not thinking really highly of ourselves. We're just not thinking of ourselves and we're Mm -hmm. able to pour out so much more. And I think that's like, my goal isn't to like love my body so much and you know, yeah. think that I'm the prettiest person that ever lived and I have the best flat stomach or whatever. That's, that's not my goal isn't to get my mind there. My mind is to say, I don't need to think about myself. I want to steward my, my body wisely. And I want to present myself in a culturally acceptable way. <laughs> yeah. But I also, I don't want my thoughts on me at all. I don't want negative thoughts and I don't really need all these amazing positive thoughts. I just want to live to serve others. And I want my hands to have wrinkles from serving others and laugh lines around my eyes because I've enjoyed hospitality and conversation. And, you know, I want to eat good food and, and enjoy that. And if that means, you know, five more pounds normally, then that's fine instead of starving myself. And sorry, I feel a little bit passionate right now. Well, I think what you're, what I love is, so when I think about women that in my life, my real life that I know that I'm like, they are beautiful. I'll tell you like what comes to mind is women that are much older Mm -hmm. that are loving and serving the Lord, like Laura says, who have wrinkles on their hands and, and on laugh lines and smile lines, who serve the church in like amazing, faithful ways. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. see that and I think that is so beautiful and attractive to yeah. me. And that's the kind of beauty I want. And I think I have to stop and actively think about that sometimes because my immediate response to sometimes like seeing a picture of myself or looking in the mirror and putting on my clothes is like, I want Pinterest beauty. I want Instagram mm-hmm. beauty. And I can even start scrolling on my phone and again, trying to figure out, well, how could I buy my clothes a little bit different? So I look like that, or how can I style my hair a little bit better? But I think it is sometimes good to like Laura saying, stop and think what kind of beauty though, do I really, really want? Like as I age, as my body fades, what type of beautiful do I want to be when I'm 60, mm. when I'm 75, when I'm 85, I want to be Jesus beautiful. Yeah. Jesus. Beautiful. No, I like that. <laughs> you're, you're all, the, all your other investments, like your clothing, you know, budget, that's yeah. going to be gone at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This, this conversation is so rich. I hope, I know you guys listening, you have to be gleaning from as much, this as much as I am. Um, I wrote down this question, what kind of beauty do you want? And I want to be Jesus beautiful. That is Seriously, so <laughs> true that might that might show up in the audiogram, um, <laughs> but uh, that that is just so true. And uh, you know, Laura, you actually just put words to something I that has been kind of bothering me, and I'm probably going to step on some toes. So I, I maybe I think this is okay though. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay sometimes with stepping on toes. A theme I've been seeing on Instagram is. The opposite of once we decide, you know what, I'm okay with the extra fluff, we're seeing more and more women who maybe have the extra fluff posting the naked pictures of themselves or half-naked pictures going, I've embraced me. And there's been something in my spirit that says that's still not right, though. And it's because, yes, that's exciting that you've embraced whatever shape and weight you are, right? But the thing that doesn't sit well in my spirit, I feel like you just put words to, is that it's still focus of self. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. even though, yes, I didn't get the flat abs and now I'm going to tell you guys how excited I am that I just love my, you know, Mm -hmm. mama pouch or whatever. And I'm going to post a picture of that. 
it still is focused on me. You know, it's yeah, still yeah. focused on me. And I think that's what's been, I just, I, you just put words to it. So I was like, because mm-hmm. I've been trying to figure out why does that still bother me? Like, why, why am I still bothered by this? And I'm yeah. like, it's because we didn't get to the root. All we did was yeah. we swung over to the other side and said, hey, yeah. guess what? Can't have the flat stomach. No worries. Mm-hmm. You can still post the pictures. And I'm like, wait, yeah, no, that's, a, that didn't solve anything. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we Emily and I have had personal conversations about this as well, the mm-hmm. same thing with what's probably called the body positivity movement. And I agree that there's some really great things that have happened from it that I have loved seeing less use of Photoshop, you know, more diverse models, more uh, just, you know, shapes, sizes, colors, everything. I think that's been so, so great. But as believers, we're called to lose ourselves to gain Christ. And so what we've done is swung from one version of perfection to another version of perfection, because now perfection may not be, you know, I don't know, white female, super skinny, stick thin with really great eyebrows. Now it's moving towards, hey, all types of women are beautiful, which, yay, amen. We totally support that. But the perfection is you when once you accept yourself, you've reached perfection, like whatever you are, that's perfection. And that's actually not like what God holds us to what standard it's much higher than what any of us could ever achieve. And so I think that you're right. It should unsettle us in our spirit a bit because our call isn't to like find ourselves as the inner goddess or the inner, inner deity. Our call is to actually remember we are dust. We are small. We are clay like that. The Bible calls us groundlings. If you look at the original root of some of the words. And so I think like that should remind us that like, we're not inner deities and we're not designed to have these amazing, perfect bodies, however they may look differently, but instead we're designed to serve and to worship and glorify the only perfect one. And so there's still, like you said, this little misstep, I think, on what the new message is. And I I think it's good when our spirits are unsettled because we're recognizing that dissonance of who we truly are versus what the world is telling us. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is so good. And I like that you use that phrase that we should recognize when our spirit is unsettled. I would say that to all the topics, especially, you know, if you are somebody who's on social media and you're seeing things talked about and whatnot. And if there's that little bit something in you that's like something about that doesn't seem right, you know, like really just stop and ask the Lord, what what is that? Is that like, tell me why am I feeling this way? What's the truth? And and he always those are the prayers. He's like, yes, I'd love to show you that. So Um, so good. Um, along this same topic of body image slash health, one of a big mom guilt, a lot of moms have is the whole feeding of our kids, the organic, not organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, all the things. How do you feel like the Bible addresses this topic? I think the topic of food and nourishment is such a huge Mm -hmm. theme in scripture. So it's really a neat topic of women are wanting to dive into this more and think about it. It's it's a good one to just go through scripture, you know, Genesis to Revelation and see how and why God provides food for his people, how people's seeking of their own nourishment and their own fulfillment, whether of their tummies or their hearts apart from God, you know, draws them away from him. And then how Jesus comes to be, you know, the true bread of life. And he is the one who, uh, you know, what is it? The you can thirsty like his, he's always available mm-hmm. to to feed and nourish us and to satisfy our thirst. And then just in Revelation, we even see we're going to sit down at a table and feast like there's going to be food there. And Jesus Christ, our greater our greater food and our greater sustenance is going to be there with us forever. So there's just all these incredible themes. But to kind of bring that down into 
our homes. I think a few things that Laura and I have thought through and touched on in the past is that this is a matter of of conscience. Oftentimes, you know, if you look in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, Paul talks about uh, a lot of different foods that people were eating in the church. And there was kind of some struggle about, well, what's good to eat? What can't we eat? What's clean? What's not clean? And he really says, you know, all things are permissible for me. All things are lawful for me, but not everything is beneficial. And he doesn't want to become a slave to anything or become mastered by anything. And later in that chapter, he says, you know, I want to do all things to the glory of God, do all things with thanksgiving. And I think that's the posture that we want to have as moms towards food in our homes is to just say, you know, like, there's a lot of different types of foods we can feed our family and we can be really passionate and say, I'm going to, I really love trying to feed my, my kids all natural, whole foods, organic, or, you know, I'm really busy with life and like we do the best that we can, but yeah, sometimes it's a roastery chicken and, you know, (laughs) rice in the rice cooker, whatever that is, all things are permissible. We don't want to become enslaved to anything. We don't want food and food decisions to rule our lives and rule our hearts And finally, just to see nourishing our children as a way to give glory to God and a way to be thankful. Thank you, God, that you've even given me food. Thank you that we can provide this for our kids. How can we, in all that we have, whether it's McDonald's that we just ran through the drive-thru or it's a, you know, a farm-to-table meal from our backyard, give glory, Mm -hmm. give thanks to God. Yeah, I think just the only thing that I'll add to build off of that there and is remembering that not all people have luxury that we do to zip off to our local farmer's market or grocery store or wherever and say, oh, I want to do this, 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 and this, and I'm going to feed direct farm to table, or I'm going to feed processed, you know, like quick foods. A lot of people don't have those options. They can't get a Lunchable and they can't get a grass fed cow. Like, they just get take what is given to them. And so as you're saying, Emily, I think like living in America in 2019, it can be very, very easy to be caught up in food choices and think there is a right way or a wrong way. But if the Bible is to be applied to all people at all times, like we can see that no, the woman who is in another country or living another lifestyle and doesn't have access to all of the food that I do, she can glorify God just as much as I can in the place that I live. And so there is freedom to do things. And we, we are still called to be faithful, to, to nourish our children well, as Emily said, to um, make wise choices with our families. But I think that hopefully that should relieve some of that guilt, even between breastfeeding and bottle feeding, that uh, moms feel with all of the push on there's a certain best way and there is not a good way. But in actuality, like there is freedom to make decisions based on your own unique circumstance. And that th- there isn't this mass applied rule that says this is the more holy way. Thankfully, because of Jesus, you know, all is level at the cross. And we can trust that what he's put in front of us, that we can steward well to feed our families and still live a life sold out for him. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for the insight on that. I love that the last thing you said there was about it not being a holy way. And I feel like, you know, when did food get labeled good and bad? Or I'm, have you ever heard some, have you ever heard somebody say, I'm being naughty or I'm and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you're eat, you know, you're eating a cupcake. That's not you being naughty. Where, when did this happen? So thank you yeah. for for that insight. OK, before we hop off here, one other thing. And I know we probably could have made a whole show about this, but I always love to see the behind the scenes of 
ministries and the people who are involved. So I'd like to hear about your husbands, like what their roles are and and your marriage uh, as you two have stepped into kind of a new place from being the stay-at-home mom to, you know, having this ministry. How has that brought you closer together in marriage, maybe brought more challenges in marriage? Anything you want to share on that topic? Yeah, this is fun. We recently had our husbands on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I feel like we asked them a few things about, you know, what is it like or what how things changed since there was a motherhood. I'm not sure how the question was phrased, but I was learning things about my husband on the show, I remember, and afterwards talking to him. And I think uh, one of the biggest changes that we've seen since I've started working more and been in ministry more is just my husband's desire and willingness to help serve our family. And some of it is because of necessity. But I think prior when I was a stay at home mom, you know, I think as can be fairly typical when a mom is at home or whomever's at home is kind of carrying the load of a lot of the work. And now that I work more, it really has felt like a bit more of um, camaraderie with the work of the home and even of raising the children. And just we have to be more united on things. We have to communicate more. We have to talk about boundaries and limitations and desires and expectations maybe even more so than prior. And so I think that's been really healthy for our marriage. And I have loved just seeing my husband. He is a true servant, like, I mean, through and through, so humble. And I've always been really grateful just for his example, but to see it sort of pick up a little bit more within the home has been really fun. And it's been challenging for me as well, because I understand more of what it's like for him to work for a long day and come home exhausted and then need to pitch in. I think that was something prior, I just didn't understand. I was like, great, you're home. Like you hold the baby, you take care of everything. And, and now I, I understand more of what it's like being gone and um, the transition, how it can be, feel very bumpy, that you're, you're truly exhausted, even if you weren't with children all day and things like that. And so a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's really drawn us closer together and understanding what the other person's lifestyle is. And I'm just thankful because I think my husband truly has been great with boundaries and listening to him for, Hey, what should we do next? Should I engage in this? Should I not? What does our family need? What does our children need? And really listening to him has been key for me so that I make sure that my desires are not usurping maybe what the family needs are and and making some hard choices at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would just transition and piggyback off that last point of, I think I've just been amazed at the, the freedom that's come for us as a family, as I've listened to my husband and we've really gotten on the same page and had lots of discussions about, you know, where we're going to spend our time in different seasons. And there is just something about feeling like we're both really in this together and we both have to sacrifice and we both get to enjoy some of the rewards. And I think before when it was more like, Hey, he was working this outside of the home job and like doing some real estate stuff. And I was at home all day. There was a little bit more like, well, this is kind of my territory and this is kind of your territory. And like we eat dinner together and we put the kids to bed, but it really feels like, no, all of this is ours. It's I, and we actually like, we co-own another business together. And then like, you know, he like, he's only been on the podcast once, but I really feel like he's bought in. Like when I go travel for something or I have to write a book or I have to record something like he's involved in that behind the scenes, whether it's, Hey, he came home for part of the day to watch the kids, or he had to help a little bit more in the evening with laundry or whatever. Like, it's us together doing it. And I really, really feel like that. And I think it's just been a joy to do that with him. I feel like we have a mission together. We're co-laborers in it. And I really trust him 
with my heart and with my life as well. I love coming to him and just saying, Hey honey, what should we do? Because I know when he gives his yes, I can trust that. And I can joyfully then go and do it. And when it's hard and I'm in this other city and I'm like, should I be home right now? I get to remember, no, like we talked about this and my husband gave his joyful yes. Mm. And when we say no, I get to then freely tell somebody who emails me, Hey, can you come do this conference? Like my husband and I talked about this. We're on the same page. No, I can't do that in this season. And I can be joyful and rest in that too. So I think that's just been like a fun thing that I was not expecting as I've maybe stepped into more work and more ministry is just how much of a partnership it is. And like, it's really added a richness to our marriage that maybe wasn't there before. But, and just, just to be clear though, if a stay at home mom is listening, I mean, we did that for a long time and you still are on mission together. And and so I know Emily agrees and I said some stuff, but I just want to make it very, very clear that like, that is so valuable and you can still be on mission. Sometimes I think you just have to work a little bit harder at seeing it and making sure that it's happening. But like raising those babies is the biggest mission anybody's going to (laughs) And so I just want to like make that really clear as we talk um, that there's still a lot of richness within being a stay-at-home mom. I feel like a lot of the shift for us started, we had three kids under two years. We had a set of twins, like 16 months after we had our oldest son. And I remember thinking that like there was a shift that happened in our family because I literally couldn't feed everyone and take care of everyone on my own. And I remember my husband having to step in there and I was not doing really anything outside of the home at the time or any other like specific ministry. And even in that seeing that richness. So that's yeah. a good, yeah. that's definitely, yeah. Thanks for communicating. I knew you to undertone in our hearts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Emily, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, when you said if your husband gives a joyful yes, that word joyful is really important because sometimes, and I think this goes both ways between husband and wife, is sometimes, yes, I guess you can do that, you know, like, uh, but they're not joyful about it. And there's a real big difference there. And there's resentment and bitterness that takes place if it's not that joyful yes. And they say yes, just because they think that's that you want. Yes. But really that's the beauty of marriage is we, we kind of push and pull each other and, you know, it's the whole, when one's down, the other lifts the other up. And that's where that trust factor comes in into marriage, where I have to trust my husband that if he doesn't give the joyful, yes, he it's for good reason. And then he swings the other way too. He has to trust me. If I don't give him a joyful, yes, about something, he trusts that too. And so there's definitely that going on. So I think, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that, that if you're, you know, a stay at home mom and your husband did give the joyful yes, that yes, I would love for you to stay home in the season, you know, like right. embrace that. Amen. Oh, you know, and, yes, and that's have right. fun with it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> because honestly, in the beginning, I didn't feel like my husband was the one who was a little more like, I want you to be a stay at home mom when I was just a stay at home mm-hmm. mom. And I was like, oh, but that seems so blah, you know, and I kind of had to work through that. And then the Lord did do work in my heart and like, uh, Rachel, your husband is like giving you his blessing to do this. Enjoy it. It's such a gift. And then when that season changes, enjoy that season. And, um, and I feel the same way about this podcast. In fact, it was my husband's idea for me to start a podcast because I always love doing like live Facebook videos and I just have an easier time speaking than I do writing sometimes. So anyway, he was the one, he like signed me up for some free webinar for podcasting. And he was like, Hey, you should listen to this. And for him to do that, I was like, okay, maybe I should pay attention. And so, yeah, so that's fun. It it definitely helps when they're on board. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we're done for today. I've gone. We've gone way overboard, but that's okay. <laughs> there was such good conversation that, that I think everybody will be okay listening for a little longer than usual. But before we hop off, I would love just for you to, and this will be in the show notes as usual. But if you just want to tell them where they can find you online, that would be awesome. Of course. Yeah. You can find more out about us at risenmotherhood.com. And we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Risen Motherhood on all of those platforms. And if you want to learn about the book, uh, risenmotherhood.com forward slash book, or it's available basically anywhere books are sold in general. So any Mm -hmm. of those bigger spots, you can find it online or in store. And yeah, I think that's about it for where you'll find us. We'd love to connect with you. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Emily and Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank Thank you for having us. I could have talked with Emily and Laura for hours, and I think I actually might need to do a follow-up interview with them because I had several questions we didn't even get to discuss. Hey, and be sure to grab a copy of their new book, Risen Motherhood. I have my hands on a copy, and it is so good. You're going to want to get it. Don't forget to text the phrase, Real Talk, that's all one word, to the number, 44222 to stay up to date on all the latest show details and goodies. And don't worry, this doesn't add you to a weekly newsletter or any kind of text message opt-in. All right, friends, that's all for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.